Tech Talk. Hi, I'm Johnny Kaplan. And I'm Jesse Katz. And you're listening to the Tech Talk podcast series. So, Jesse, here we are, final episode of the season. How do you feel? Oh, Johnny, so sad. But also, I'm excited because I think we are looking forward to some more incredible projects. And, you know, every ending is a new beginning. Can't wait to see what's in store for us. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not sad. I'm actually super inspired. I'm super motivated. I'm enthusiastic, you know. It's great to see so many people, right? We didn't see five people. We didn't see 10 people. We've seen now, you know, coming close to 55 companies and entrepreneurs and different technologies. And it's inspiring to know there are so many amazing and wonderful people around the world who are just using their own initiative, their own resources, their own devices to develop things that are making the world a better place. How exciting are most of the technologies we've seen on this show? It really is. It's also so inspiring to know that like, you know, the world is never stopping and people will never stop trying to improve it however they can. And I think that's something that's been really interesting to really get to watch. You know, we watched these things develop over the entire season. We discovered all these new and incredible entrepreneurs and companies I think it opened my eyes and I'm so excited to continue to work on amazing projects with uh, with Tech Talk Media. And uh, we are going to have a lot, a lot of wonderful things in the future. But in the meantime, let's focus on this last episode and see what we have for our viewers. Amen to all of that, Jess. So well said. So yes, <laughs> so our final lineup for season one, we have our first guest is Consumer Physics. It's a company that have developed a microspectrometer. What is that? It's a huge device that usually you find in a lab. And if you want to know if certain materials, what their chemical makeup is, how much you know different elements they have in them, you send it to a lab, they put it through this. It's almost like a microscope that tells you data, right? It shines light at these objects, the light bounces back and through that bounce back of light, they can read data. So basically they've developed a mini scanner. You hold it in your hand, you can scan food, fruit, produce, meat, fish, check if it's healthy, if it's ripe, you can check how much energy, how much fat, how much sugars are inside. It's an incredible device, like something you would have seen on Star Trek, where you can scan items and literally instantaneously get a reading to your phone. Quite mind-blowing, really. The next guest up is a company that is taking all of the car data from connected cars, right? The cameras, the sensors, the computers, and it's amalgamating and collating that data. And then it's providing information for the authorities, for the police. So let's say there was an accident and there were no cameras on the road, you know, street cameras. Maybe it can tap into a connected car. It can tap into the sensors of other cars to get data and to read about it. One of our other guests is Skyline Robotics. 
they have developed robotic arms that wash buildings. So they go up on the lifts outside the building, on the elevator outside the building, on a skyscraper, it will go up. And rather than a human going there into this perilous and dangerous situation, it's sending a robot up that works autonomously, that knows how to check the distance it's away, if the thing's moving around, if it has to stop, speed up, put more water. It's all automated and it'll even check to see if there's a danger, a person, a flag, something they have to avoid on the building, which is quite remarkable. We have another company that has wireless brain sensing games that enable you to solve problems with ADHD and other behavioral issues just from playing a few games with your brain. And last up is an automated cinema platform that allows any public retailer pub restaurant to set up their own cinema to sell tickets to have the online system to have drink service and so on with all the licensing all in one box so a great lineup of guests i can't wait to get stuck in and i'm excited to have this final episode with you of season one jess you know what i'm really excited to see that this sounds like a really nice way to kind of culminate the whole season and end it. So uh, let's get started. Absolutely. So first up, consumer physics and their Star Trek scanners. Here at Consumer Physics, we've developed a set of products called SIO, allowing people to analyze materials in real time almost anywhere. We have created a full solution that includes a miniature hardware and then use a mobile phone application and a cloud service to basically analyze the raw data coming from the sensor. For example, we can analyze food and tell you fat levels or protein content. Amazing. I mean, this really is something out of science fiction because, you know, watching Star Trek and seeing these devices that they would sort of pick something up, scan it. So this is not science fiction whatsoever. Obviously, we're pioneering this field, but definitely that is the vision that we had when we started a company, providing this type of solutions for food industry in pharmaceutical industries and counterfeiting applications. So many different aspects of materials as you can actually analyze because today, if you have some information you're looking for, you just go into some search engine and just look for the answer, right? But if it's about materials in front of you, there's nothing you can really do. So what we're trying to do is provide you some sort of a search engine, so to speak, to physical objects. Amazing. You're one of the co-founders of Consumer Physics. Tell us how you got together to collaborate on this initiative and what your background is. It was two of us, uh, Dole, Shalon and myself, founded the company. Dole and I know each other way back. We studied electrical engineering and both of us had this bug, you know, of being entrepreneurs. I also had a PhD in nanophotonics. And then at a certain point in time, I knew that it was my time to actually start my own venture. We had a few months of discussions to see that we actually can work together. And then once we were ready, we just dropped everything else and just jumped. It's almost like a marriage, right? You have to check you're on the same oh, page. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You want the same things that you can collaborate, especially on difficult matters. Yeah, and then we started a company. We were bootstrapping, then we started developing it. We found some really good and valuable angel investors like Dov Moan here in Israel. And later on, we were fortunate to find investments from venture companies those like Kosla and our crowd here in Israel. So the main traction we've seen was from the food and agriculture business. And ever since then, we've been working with the whole supply chain of food. So where can we actually see the device used? Tell us about the actual practical applications. So I'll give you a few examples from field all the way to fork. For example, dairy farmers. 
they would be feeding their cows on a daily basis and they need to check what they actually feed the cows because they need to make sure the milk production is steady. So they would use SIO to test that. Cheese processing manufacturers, they need to make sure the milk they get is the right fat level, protein level, because at the end of the day, they will put a label on their products and make sure the quality is there. What we provide them is the opportunity to at least bring some of the tests into their production line. Amazing. So what are the next steps? We have partnered with a company called Analog Devices out of Boston to further miniaturize technology. So you can see here, this is our current sensor mm -hmm. and this is our next generation sensor, mm -hmm. much smaller. It's more uh, than half the size. Yeah, this is actually smaller than a cell phone camera. Wow. And this sensor can now be embedded into different devices. Amazing, so if you're thinking about one of the harvesting machines going yep. through the field, yep. and as he's picking up the crop, he Analyze has a small it. spectrometer there. And if it's bad crop, he stops and he goes to the next field. Absolutely, so this is the type of applications we're looking for. Well, it's certainly an amazing product, and we're excited to go and try them out for ourselves. Cool, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much, Damien. So Jess, I actually have one of these. Uh, I was lucky enough that they gave me one when we left. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw that, but I'm so excited to go and start using this out in like Whole Foods and just check out the difference between what I'm buying. It's like so futuristic, so cool. Wait, I want one. You know what's actually really interesting is that I have always wanted to make my own bottle of wine. And I think that this could really come in handy when you're looking to ferment things as well, to really be able to kind of pick apart, you know, the better grapes versus the different flavors if you want something deeper. I just think it's very interesting. Johnny, hook a sister up. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, a spectrometer has been around for quite a long time. It's only something used in research labs, and it's very slow to send something off, get it checked, send back the results. This is giving the ability for everybody to have a tiny micro spectrometer in their hand with them. It's connected to your smartphone. You can read all of the various different materials that they cover. This is a game changer. Amazing, amazing product. Amazing. Wow. Let's go see Autonomo, also a very well-funded company big data for self-driving and connected cars. Let's hear from Ben, their CEO, about their amazing company. All right, sounds great. We are connected to the internet all the time, our phone, our ISP at home, everywhere. But in the car, it's still not there. Data can really change the way we drive, the way we move around. And what we do in Autonomo, we launch an automotive data services platform. We take all those huge amounts of data that comes out of vehicles, and provide it to many services that want this data in order to enrich their services. What you guys are doing is taking that data that's recorded from those cars, exactly. helping to make, firstly, the cars safer and more intelligent, and secondly, giving to the roads and the government the data that allows you to know what's going on. I mean, there are millions of connected cars already on the roads. Exactly. That's only going to go into the hundreds of millions. And I think one of the biggest gaps in the market right now is the data. One of the problems they're having with these self-driving autonomous cars is that they have to learn and get more intelligent. So the real key to the process is the data and the analysis of the data and the more data you have the better reaction you can make the better you can process and be more efficient and safer if you have an accident the car sends a lot of data in real time to the emergency room the launch of the emergency vehicle is happens automatically it saves life but more than this the doctors 
No, what, did you have an accident at 80 miles an hour or 20? Was the car hit on the right or the left? How many people were in the car? So really, wow. we can use data to make everything safer and better. Now you're having the access to these sensors which are moving around, they're gathering data. And while they're on the road, you might as well be collecting this data and analyzing it. If all the cars have cameras, maybe we don't need to put CCTVs around the city. If there's an accident, we can take images from the car. If there's some kind of terror attack, we can use the camera information to understand what is happening. And it's much better than a fixed camera because it's moving and it's not tens or hundreds of thousands of cameras, it's hundreds of thousands. The car is becoming a sensor on wheels and that's really the future of the automotive and mobility industry. Can this be put in every car? Already today, 60% of the new vehicles in the US and Europe are equipped with this technology. They have a modem and a SIM and many, many sensors. Everything will be connected very yeah, soon. It's the internet of things, right? Everything exactly. is going to be on the grid. You don't give the key data, right? You don't give the individual's name and his location, but you're giving only general data about the speed he's traveling, the obstacles he comes exactly. across and so on. A smart city doesn't know that it's your car or your car. They need to know that's the average speed, those are the places that usually have accidents. In urban areas, people spend about 30% of the time looking for parking. And one of the feedbacks we got is, guys, if you could help me save five minutes a day looking for parking, this is more valuable for me than another 20 or 30 horsepower in the car. So, Ben, tell us, you've had over 50 million invested in Autonomo. Yeah. I was lucky enough, really, to get investment from two VCs that worked with me in the past. One is a big American VC called Bessemer, the other is an Israeli one called Stage One. And along the way, we got a few other great investors, both financials and strategics. For example, Aptive, the Tier One, and Hearst, the big media company, or Dell Technologies. It's really very, very exciting. It's evident some of the success you've reached so far by the wonderful attitude you have, and the strong team you have behind you, who've brought the skills and the knowledge enabled you to make Autonomo the success it is today. Certainly excited to see how you guys progress. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank Lovely you for your meeting time. you. Thank you. You know, Self-driving cars are taking over and these guys are certainly on top of the information that we're getting out of it. And as we know, with all of these technologies, it's about data. The more data you have, the more you know, the more you can do, the more you can change. And that's the, the great story about these guys. Yeah. And you know what? Also, I think that especially when it comes to our safety, you know, we're driving a giant computer at the end of the day. And so I think that it is really amazing to see that we are really fine tuning all of the safety aspects to make sure that really, if we're going to put our lives in the hands of a car that's going to drive itself, that it really needs to be so safe. And I think it's just wonderful to see how far we've come. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So next up are these AI robot window washers that can scale and clean skyscrapers. A very clever solution created to protect human lives and to make the job more efficient and faster, more cost efficient. I'm excited to go and see their robots and see how these things work. Yeah, actually, that's really interesting because now that, now that I think about it, how often do you go to a building and you go to the top floor and you see the windows are always dirty because you can never clean them enough. And it takes a long time for a human to get up there and it's dangerous. So this is actually, I think this is also, you know, it's just one of those things that 
no one ever thinks of. And then the second a person thinks about it, it's like, wow, how did we go so long without How did we not have that? Exactly. And it's quite a straightforward solution. They've obviously developed it and it's very fairly complex. But the concept itself is quite straightforward. And often the simplest are the best, as you know. Yes, of course. So let's go see these guys and, and hear about their journey. All right, let's go. What we have here is a basic demonstration of our product, which isn't equipped right now with the cameras, but you can see how the force sensor can react to the changing environment. You're moving the device away from the wall yes. and back to again, and the arm is automatically detecting what's going on and adjusting his angle and his position so he counterbalances that. Exactly. So we actually maintain a specific contact force with the window, and the robot is constantly trying to achieve that force in a closed-loop control. This specifically shows us the types of forces that you're working with, that how powerful this robotic arm is, and how dangerous it can be on the scaffolding if you don't counterbalance all these forces and lock it in securely. Exactly, so the robot is equipped with a 3D4 sensor in order to perceive and to chase a specific contact force with the window, but we are also using these reaction forces from the building to actually stabilize the scaffolding. We can actually use any robotic arm in the market, and what is special about what we're doing is that we're also integrating with the scaffolding. He's worked harder than any window cleaner that I've seen in the last five minutes, and he certainly hasn't stopped for a cup of coffee, so that's a definite benefit. To explain this in an easy sentence to understand, we're automating window cleaning. So this means we're using machine learning, artificial intelligence, computer vision, a whole array of leading edge technologies so that we can perform a task that a human used to perform with the brain and the physique and the mobility of a human, but now a machine can do it. Avi and I met at the end of 2016 when we both decided to close our previous companies. We each had our own company focused on 3D printed concrete to 3D print homes. And we closed this because from both our perspectives it was too early to go to market. We decided to take what we knew in robotics and bring it to a place where we could actually take a product to market. I studied behavioral psychology and political science, as well as an education diploma. I was actually a high school teacher about 10 years ago. I don't know, and moved into the high-tech industry. I won a scholarship to study at NASA Singularity University in California. In my master's degree, I specialized in medical robotics. I was developing a micro-robot that swims in the human brain tissue and spinal fluids. Okay. Afterwards, I continued in a venture in the field of automating IVF procedures. And then I joined agriculture department developing agriculture robots. We're taking uh, industrial robotic arms that are usually found in the car industry in a known and controlled environment, and we're preparing them for the outdoors. What we're doing is we are equipping the robot with sensors, and we use them to perceive the environment of the robot, so the robot can actually respond in real time to the changing environment. He's actually scanning the environment that he's in to check what is the wall, what is the surface I have to work on, what is the space, what is the dimension, is there any obstacles in the way that I need to be careful of, correct, those kind of things? All of the above are true. We also have a little bit more complex algorithms in the system. Everything we've designed, programmed into these robots, into the system, has safety in mind first. For example, it's 4th of July or some other independence holiday, and someone decided to put a flag on the building. This is an unpredictable object. It might have washed that building several times, but suddenly there's a new object in its way. Exactly. And while a flag is really easy to understand, someone's head popping out of a window is a bit harder to understand. Sure. And so we've made sure that our system is fully robust and with enough redundancy inside so that we will never chop someone's head off or 
break a window. Mm -hmm. Skyline Robotics' reason to exist is because we believe that humans are worth more than robots. And we think it's ridiculous to put people's lives at risk for something as mundane as cleaning a window. If a wind comes and moves the scaffolding, the robot perceives it and corrects its path. How's this business actually taken shape? We're bootstrapped for a while. Um, we just closed our seed round. Uh, we raised about $3 million from investors like uh, Geffen Capital, Karcher, which are a German manufacturer of cleaning equipment. And we have some significant real estate families from North America and Israel. And with the help of our corporate investors, we have uh, some phenomenal assistance in R&D also. How did you test this? How did you not fly off the side of buildings, testing these arms, getting errors, getting problems, saying, oh, the weight was on the wrong side? I mean, you must have almost killed yourselves in the process of developing these wonderful products. We had a tremendous amount of testing, and each test you discover something new, something else you need to solve. Mm -hmm. Actually, testing it, you must be on the scaffolding with the robot, which is kind of scary, but you get used to it. You have to be on the scaffolding, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> now I can see how the partnership works. Right? <laughs> so that was great and you know to another two inspiring entrepreneurs they've come a long way they've now got big companies investing in them and i think it will be a great story and a great impactful solution to the world you know what else i love about this i do love because we show a lot of these like kind of really grand companies on this show we've got you know brain engineers and cars that drive themselves and all this sensory headgear that can kind of like get you know brain waves and i think that it's wonderful that you can have something that can stand next to these companies and it doesn't always have to be the most wow of a company to realize that you have done something that will dramatically change the way we work. It doesn't have to be the biggest and the newest. It can just be something that is so targeted and so right that it makes just as big of an impact. I think that's something really important that we like to show here as well. I hear you. You're saying that whilst when you go on a date and you tell the young lady that you're a brain surgeon, that it's fairly impressive that these guys, it may not be as impressive to say, hey, you know, we built robots that clean windows, but they're both just as impactful and both saving lives, as you said. So um, I just get you, Jess, so it's all good. So next up is a company that I think you're gonna get to play with. And I know that Jesse, you love to play with all these devices. Of course I do. Absolutely, and this is gonna be one of those days. So we're gonna see MindLift. They've got a wireless brain sensing platform for advancing neurological performance and that can you know help people that are suffering from adhd or other types of behavioral psychological issues that actually by playing these mindful games and training your brain and using sensory capacity to control the games you can actually control these emotions and issues um, to a much higher level I think that's really wonderful, and I'm so excited to see what we have in stores. Yeah, let's do it. From what we understand, you have a very interesting story, how you developed this ingenious solution for people with brain activity monitoring. It started with uh, the family. Two of my siblings were diagnosed with ADHD. The one who diagnosed them and gave them the medication therapy, my own father. He's a pediatric neurologist. One that would bring the medications back home is my mother because she's a pharmacist. So I've been living this world of ADHD for a very long time now. The first thing that I've done with it was to start a business when I was 16. It would help 
people get better diagnosis for ADHD that is more objective. Later on, I actually integrated in the tech industry and then I decided to, instead of just diagnosing ADHD, let's try to tackle it. And that's why we founded MindLift. Both myself and my co-founder, Anna Sabumoch, along with a great team of people, we're working towards a bigger mission of tackling ADHD. So tell me, what does MindLift do? It's a technique called uh, neurofeedback through which people get their brain activity measured and in real time, they try to control things on the screen that in turn can enhance specific brain functions. The secret sauce is how you take these signals and translate them into something meaningful. Let's take ADHD as a specific case. People that have ADHD usually have a higher amplitudes of theta frequencies that are responsible for drowsiness and mind wandering and daydreaming. And they also have lower amplitudes of beta brain frequencies that are responsible for alertness and high focus. And so the gap between the theta frequencies and the beta frequencies is quite high. And what we try to do in the training is to minimize that gap by presenting you with exercises that correlate with these specific frequencies and try to change them over time using something that is called operant conditioning. Today, you know, the most common solution for ADHD is medications, yeah. right? And these medications have short-term positive impact, but then you have the side effects. However, with neurofeedback, the impact is long-term because you're changing specific patterns within the brain that are correlating with specific brain functions. It's just like training a muscle. Have you seen a real uh, significant improvement over a long time? So the evidence about neurofeedback is vast. You're talking about evidence that has been accumulated for over 30 years. People have been using it for ADHD. People have been using it for anxiety. People have been using it even for peak performance with athletes. And the studies show that the results are long sustained. And with ADHD, for example, one study showed that it can be sustained for up to two years. And right now, we're trialing this technology with multiple clinics in the US. One of the amazing things about your product is here you're giving the ability to check the brain activity and you're able to gather this data over time because you're monitoring much longer durations of time and you're getting much more different situations and conditions. Whatever an EEG lab collects in a year, we can collect in a month. But the thing is that we're not only collecting data, we're using that data to train right? Because we believe that what can be measured can be improved. So we've put this EEG headset right. in your head that has channels on your forehead and also on the temporal lobe. You see here um, a screen full of games. What's going to happen here is that the app is going to learn about your specific brain activity okay. and the game is going to change based on that. So when you're focused, the bubbles would focus into one place and the less that you're focused, the more that your mind is scattered, the bubbles would scatter along the screen. So Okay, right now we see it scattered, try to focus and maintain it. You see, focused into one bubble. And that actually is the training that is happening to your brain right now. You're getting positive feedback. So right now you move to- I have two bubbles. Bit. Yes. <laughs> so try to maintain them. Try to keep it focused. Look at the screen. Right now you do not look at the screen and it's fuzzy all over. No. No, I'm falling apart. <laughs> try to focus. Uh-oh. So you can see here the level that you got to. You can see also a graph of the progress. So at the same time that this is happening, your EEG data is being recorded and translated into visual and auditory feedback using the app. Now, this is how your EEG looks like. You see it's super clean here. And this is the analysis that is happening in real time of your brain activity. So we can see the theta brain waves going up and down. We can see the low beta brain waves going up and down. And that's what the game would respond to. And the clinician will be able to see this whenever they want. So Jess, powerful stuff, huh? Just put a little strip on your head. I'd say. Right? You just put this little strip on your head. You know, you got to play some games. I know you were suffering a little bit at first, right? You were like, the bubbles 
were moving, they weren't like focusing, but you know, you nailed it in the end when you got the the hang of it. And it's amazing to know that really changes people's health and mental status. And you know what else? I think it's really important to note that just because I thought I could do it and in the end it is a little more difficult than you think and i just think it shows that we can all use a little improvement and so i think it's very interesting you know what he came up with and really to be mindful and to learn how to focus again i know that i sometimes do have some trouble focusing and so i think that this is a really interesting device and i'd love to actually i'd love to continue using it jess you have a problem focusing i never would have known (laughs) (laughs) and i think Mindful was the operative word there. So, yeah. Definitely. So last up, last guest of the season. What a wonderful season. Let's go see Movix. They have this automated cinema screening platform that allows any public business to set themselves up with cinema screenings, to license out tickets, to watch shows, to bring in additional revenue, and to offer this wonderful service, which, of course, in these post-COVID times, becomes very necessary. Yes, it does. All right, let's see it. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Movix and what does the technology do? So first, what we're about is reinventing public screening. There are so many ways for people to consume content alone. And we thought we need to take this streaming revolution into public places. We're social, people like to go out, we like to be with each other. And we wanted to create opportunities for people to enjoy experiences with content in public places. So what you're offering is this pre-packaged platform that allows any business to get access to your televised content and you allow them to stream that in their place of business, to engage their customers in a different way and to stop consumers from sitting at home the whole time and watching movies on their own. So think of it like Airbnb enables you as a homeowner to provide services as if you were a hotel. We provide each and every venue with the ability to provide screening services as if they were some sort of a new age theater. This actually is is totally different from a theater because it gets groups of people to go together and it becomes a social event when you're not only watching but also interacting with others, you're drinking, eating, and you're you're having a much more complete experience. We've partnered with the city of Tel Aviv to provide what we call Movix Night. Three screens outdoors, hundreds of people coming to watch and you can choose which movie you want to watch. We've done a a driving experience where where people have used our technology and Coca-Cola sponsored this event. So a lot of exciting things happening and the same platform powers all of them. So tell us a little bit about the core technology there. We have a cloud-based system. We're the secured media hub. And then you've got our software that's connected to the screen and you've got the software that runs on the personal cell phones of people just use the Movix app. In a way, what Movix does is connect between content producers, venue owners, and the viewers. So you give them all of the access to that content, and then you give them all the facilities to actually take money, to distribute drinks, refreshments, food, to connect with their patrons. An end-to-end package, very easy to set up, very easy to use, and beneficial to everybody involved. 
My background is actually with mathematics and, and computer science. I was the deputy commander of the IDF's Academy for Computer Science. And I then moved to work for some high-tech companies. Worked for MDocs in the US, developing business with service providers such as AT&T, Sprint Nextel, Bell Canada and others. And worked for a privately held company called AGT and built from almost nothing into a billion dollar a year company. And then I joined Movix. I partnered alone to become one of the founders. And this is sort of like mixing my background with my passion. My grandfather was actually one of the people that established the cinema department here in Israel when the country was established. Let's talk a little bit about the funding behind the company. You talked about your partner, Alon, who is a pioneer of CyberArk, which we know is a $3 billion company. Correct. He's obviously a major shareholder and an investor. In addition to Alon, we also have other angel investors uh, in Israel. We're also looking for strategic partnerships that will help us get to where we want to get faster. Great stuff. So what does the future look like for Movix? The plan is to build a global company. And the future is that anywhere you go, yeah, you'll find Movix. Our vision and hope is that Movix is in 10,000, you know, 100,000 locations worldwide. We want to make an impact. We're, we're not building something small. We're building the Netflix for public places. Fantastic. Well, you've certainly made good headway. It's a lovely initiative. Thank you. We look forward to following your footsteps and seeing how you guys Absolutely. distribute the product worldwide. So Jess, there you have it. 55 amazing Israeli entrepreneurs and innovators. Some mind-blowing technologies, things that we've never seen before and certainly are our listeners would never heard of or seen before. Remarkable technologies that are shaping our future and our evolution as mankind. I'm excited. I'm. This has motivated me. I think you can hear it in my voice, right? I was passionate going into this. After seeing all this stuff, the hairs are standing up on my arms right now. I'm excited. I have goosebumps and excited to get stuck in for season two. I just think it's so wonderful. You know, we've only hit the tip of the iceberg and already you can see how much change is about to hit our world and in the best of ways. I mean, there are so many medical devices and just even life improving technology that I feel like I'm in good hands. That's how I could sum it up. And you're right, I can't wait for season two and everything else that comes from Tech Talk family. You nailed the point there. It's just motivated and inspired me so much that there are people developing this stuff. It really gives you that hope that you need, you know, and to know that it, all it takes is for somebody to be creative, to be imaginative, to invent something, and then to have the courage to go out there and try it. And if they fail, to pick themselves back up and to try again and to not give up until they succeed. And I think that's what we've seen here. And we've seen that Israel is this remarkable region. You know, you have limited resources. You have a lot of issues, problems politically, region-wise that you have to deal with. And therefore, you have to think of innovative ways to overcome that. And also coupled with this mandatory military service, they get a grounding, they get an education, they get the abilities to innovate and to integrate technology into their life. And that's really why they've been called the startup nation. You know, the Silicon Valley of the Middle East is because it's just such a wonderful eclectic mix of innovators and technologies. It was a great place to launch season one of Tech Talk. 
I know. I honestly, I don't know how we're going to top this, but knowing you, Johnny, you'll figure out a way. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't worry. There's plenty of amazing people out there. So on that note, stay tuned. Season two production is underway where we feature over 50 New York based entrepreneurs and innovators to see the amazing technologies coming out from New York City. I cannot wait, Johnny. Also, if you'd like to watch the entire season one of Tech Talk, where you can see Jesse and I going to visit each of these entrepreneurs and technologies, you can watch it now on Amazon Prime. You can also watch Tech Talk Shorts, which is a short version of the season where it gives you bite-sized clips of each of the interviews. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for coming along on our journey. Thank you so much, Jesse, for keeping me company and going to meet all of these wonderful entrepreneurs. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure. It was wonderful having you Thanks here. Thanks for having me, Johnny. I couldn't have done it with anybody else. And I really, I had a blast and I'm so excited for what the future holds. So am I. See you all next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. You may also visit us at electrocast.com. The Tech Talk podcast is a co-production of Tech Talk Media and Electrocast Media. Executive producers are myself, Johnny Kaplan, Ronald Hans, Mark Netter, and Peter Rafelson. Special thanks to our associate producer, Sienna Jackson, our podcast recordist, Adam Kleinberg, and our audio editor, Chris Souza. Join us in our next episode, where we continue our journey to the world's most amazing startups to bring you one step closer to our incredible new technological evolution. podcast leadership is a people business that's the philosophy of your podcast host john rennie as a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate america before starting his own manufacturing business he knows that leadership matters matters. deep leadership is real world actionable leadership advice from john and his expert guests Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement. Inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.